You're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast, hosted by Zach Bechtold and Matt Franks. If you'd like to learn more about the Bearded Theologians, you can go online at beardedtheologians.com, where we have past podcasts, blogs, and a couple items for sale. So check us out, beardedtheologians.com. Thank you for listening, and enjoy this week's show. You're listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast, hosted by Matt Franks and Zach Bechtold. And today we uh, we continue on our Lord's Prayer uh, podcast series here, and we have another special guest with us. We have the Reverend Chris Moore, who is at the Fellowship Congregation uh, United Church of Christ in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Chris, thanks for being on with us this morning. Um, would you would you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from, what you do, you know, all those sure, little that, fun fact, sure. whatever. <laughs> um, I let's see, I'm a second career. Uh, pastor, uh, having spent, um, you know, 15 years of my adult life in IT management, which is absolutely nothing like ministry. And uh, then going back to seminary uh, here in the in the great state of Oklahoma at Phillips Theological Seminary, where I got to know Matt um, and served churches in Norman and in Oklahoma City, and now here I'm getting ready to start my ninth year here in uh, Tulsa uh, at Fellowship. Awesome. Um, it's always fun when I, when I get to know people who knew Matt back in seminary. I'll, I'll have questions for you later. Uh, <laughs> now, as, as you know, we, we're continuing on, on our uh, Lord's Prayer series and, and wanting right. to bring folks on to just to really share their experience with, with the prayer and what it means to you. And so we'll just let you let you run with it. Um, it. When Matt first asked me, you know, like, would you be on and talk about this? I thought it was kind of interesting because we um, we have been in the midst of a kind of a, a post-pandemic uh, surge. We've had lots of new visitors, lots of new faces every Sunday, um, you know, a bunch of new members joining, all that kind of stuff. And, and we are almost exclusively what I call a refugee church. So we have people mm-hmm. who aren't uh, congregational or United Church of Christ in their background. They come from other denominations or it's been a long time, that kind of thing. Um, but they have a different sort of relationship both to liturgy and particularly to the Lord's Prayer, which is one of those, as you all know, you know, kind of universal things. Almost every denomination has that, you know, in their worship in some form or another at some point. Um, so it's it's usually familiar to everybody. However, we have rewritten the Lord's Prayer. Uh, the, the Lord's Prayer that we use in worship each and every Sunday is is a is a different version. Um, it, it's something I brought with me from my church in Oklahoma City, uh, where we did a whole um, study group. Uh, on the Lord's Prayer, uh, using uh, John Dominic Crossan's book on the Lord's Prayer, uh, and we looked at different versions of it. Not only did we educate people that the that the version that they're usually familiar with is not the one that's in the Bible itself, um, but also uh, looking at the language, particularly looking at the language, we used um, some work of an Aramaic translator to you know, to look at that in Aramaic and Aramaic is such a broad, um, 
you know, there's so many possibilities for each word. And so then we kind of went through and looked at different versions of that. And the end result of that class uh, back in Oklahoma City was for the for the participants to write their own, you know, adaptation of the Lord's Prayer, you know, not willy nilly. We still had the confines of you've got language, you've got the language that's originally there. So kind of do your own translation, I guess, is probably the better um, way to say that. And what ended up, uh, we ended up with a lot of real commonalities in in those versions. So we actually ended up taking that and using that in the in the context of worship, our new version. We introduced it. We talked about that whole process. And that's just sort of followed me up here. Um, it's been a little different impact because we didn't have that process behind it. So it was just a new version. Um, and it is interesting on those Sundays here recently to see the refugee folks coming in and we put the words up on the screen and there's not a lot of introduction. We used to say, you know, this is a different version and pray it in whatever form you're comfortable. And um, remember that we've got to save a little time right in the middle for the trespasses to catch up with the debts and all that kind of stuff. We don't really do that anymore. We just kind of let it go. Uh, and it's very interesting to see how people, you know, just watch their faces and see how people react to that, especially, you know, when it's their first time here. Well, I, I have I have so many questions, right? <laughs> uh, well, why uh, can can you share what, what you guys came up with? Sure. Uh, so the one that we use here um, every Sunday, um, I'll just recite that to you. So our creator who is in heaven, holy is your name. Um, your kingdom come. We say we have kingdom instead of kingdom. Uh, there's a lot of unpacking to this. So your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For you reign in the power that is love now and always. Uh, so there's... A lot of it is the same, especially kind of right in the middle. It's very familiar to people. The ending sentence, which, of course, in our research, we argued was added on anyway. Um, we really adapted in a way that made us. Uh, you you can see a, a real attempt to take away the royal language, the sort of the king language, obviously a lot of the masculine language. Um, that's why we do kingdom instead of kingdom. Um, you know, my argument's always been, especially here in the United States where we kicked out the king, what is a kingdom? It's a it's an inert metaphor for us. So at least find a metaphor that works a little bit better. Um, so that was kind of some of the basic stuff around that, but you can you can see a big chunk of it. It was really not altered all that much, uh, though we did make the choice to go with debts and debtors as opposed to trespasses. So I, yeah, I love that process. Have, have you ever thought about just doing that again with your current uh, people and just saying, hey, you know, it doesn't hurt to uh, revisit these things and revise these things. Um, you know, if the NRSV can uh, uh, revise, uh, you know, uh, we can too. Uh, have you ever, have you thought about doing that again uh, with, with the congregation? Yeah, I have um, in part because 
it's something we say every single Sunday. And and so there's this tendency to sort of move past it and not think about it. And one of the compelling things about what we did in Oklahoma City was um, that it got people to think about what they were saying, you know, more specifically uh, to encourage people to understand that one of the reasons one of the reasons we can do um, what lots of people consider the rote liturgy, you know, just over and over and over again is because each and every Sunday we may look for a different word that pops out to us or a different meaning to be revealed. There's a chance there for that kind of thing to happen. Um, and that that encourages them to think about that in a in a different way instead of just kind of, you know, just kind of go through the motion. Uh, I think it's a great idea, man. I, you know, I, we've got lots of um, uh, energy now for for meeting in person and doing some different programmatic kinds of things. And that certainly is on my list as a possibility. Yeah, that might be something. So I'm going to, I am about 85% sure I'm doing, uh, looking at the Lord's prayer during Lent. Um, mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I, I, that's probably be something I incorporate into uh, our time of learning that we have um, that we're trying to get off the ground. And so it'd be a good way for people to process that even more. Um, not just reading um, somebody's book or something, but just actually like looking at it in a way that would be uh, very helpful and reflective uh, for them. Um, mm -hmm. But then also um, it's giving them that space and permission that the liturgy is really the work of the people. And so what a better way of, of introducing liturgy to people than letting them write their own. Uh, and I think that that's a, that's a powerful practice to think of, to, to maybe find a way to incorporate. It absolutely gives. Uh, so I, I imagine you're having some of the same experiences that I'm having. You get lots of people who are in some sort of phase of deconstruction and reconstruction, and they're you know trying to work all of those things out. And we we oddly enough don't have a lot of space built into our natural rhythms to think about who you who you picture God to be and what your. So in my tradition, where we you know that congregational. Uh, background that really says your theology is your theology. It's it's what you your relationship with God is individual. It's your, uh, and then we do that collectively uh, as the church. But it, there's not we're not creedal. You know we don't have a lot of the the doctrine heavy stuff. It's it's more about you working that out on your own. Um, which you know again we would say well don't work that out completely on your own. We, we need to do this uh, collectively as well, but that we don't have to come up with a collective conclusion. We can come up with our individual conclusions. Uh, so there's a there's a lot of room, I think, right now from people are hungry for that kind of thing. And what we often miss in that deconstruction process is really thinking about what is at the root, which is what do you think who do you think God is? What do you think God's character is? What do you think God works like? And and changing that image, um, for we we all at some point have been handed the old white man in the sky, you know, hurling thunderbolts, and we have that kind of stuck there. Uh, and you know, it's just it's just hard to get rid of that. Uh, so without certainly without processing that. Uh, what a 
we've talked a lot about uh, through this series, just the words that we use. And, and I love your practice of walking through this with your community, uh, with your congregation and just hashing it out, right? What words work for us here? Uh, what, what brings meaning, uh, deeper meaning to this for, for us in this time? And, and I, love, I love the practice of taking that from one church to the next, introducing it and getting them used to that practice and that rhythm of here's something, here's something familiar, but different. Now let's do the same thing. Like, you know, let's, let's mm -hmm. walk through and see, see how it may change uh, for us at this time. Uh, and for this group of people, I, I think that's really, like you said, it's that taking ownership of your theology and who you are and who you believe God is in, in both the individual and the, that communal space and just walking through that process together. There's something we, we miss that a lot in the church we, we uh, do and that that interchange of i mean i want to be really clear in saying that the point of the exercise is not for you to just stamp your own personal opinion on things and make mm -hmm. a a prayer that's entirely congenial to you um mm -hmm. but instead to to have an opportunity to question the tradition and to mm -hmm. ask about how did it so let's unpack that even further how did the the people who came before us come to this sort of communal decision about why they're using this word as opposed to that word, because, you know, for two reasons. One, that's not always, uh, you know, a real uh, honest and uh, a decision that was made with a lot of integrity. There might have been just political reasons behind that. There might have been all kinds of stuff that we don't necessarily want to invest ourselves in. So then there's an opportunity for us to think about that. But also it allows us to take our own personal thing and throw that into the group so that you can like, because an uncritiqued opinion about something is not helpful either. That just swings the pendulum over to the other side. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and it makes a lot of sense when 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 you dig in. We've talked a lot. Of, we had a, a Mennonite friend of ours on and he talked about the differences. Uh, he uses debts, uh, debts mm -hmm. and debtors in in how that was and just unpacked for him contextually. Here's what that means for me, right. especially today as we begin to look at actually forgiving debts of right. people. Um, and, and then you look at at the at the difference in kingdom and kingdom. Um, there's there's a huge huge difference there, and a huge um, not power struggle, but you know. Kingdom holds a lot of baggage. Well, it does talk about power. It. It's not a. I don't. Yeah. It's. I don't know about it. It's. It's. It talks about different kinds of power and how you right. use that power differently. And it, boy, mm -hmm. if there is, if there is nothing that being a follower of Jesus would teach us, it it ought to teach us that we use our power differently. You know, we're mm -hmm. we're look at the Philippians hymn, and you know power is something to be given away we empty ourselves right. of that which is a real different connotation than a kingdom i think gives most of us i think so too and and you begin to change those words and and it yeah it begins to change it it begins to give it deeper meaning uh right. in in a lot of in a lot of sense so i i love that i love that practice um, and then it, I, I think it gives us practice to do that more for those of us who are creedal or follow along with a lot of liturgy. Um, I think we get stuck sometimes in thinking, gosh, we got to follow it word for word and do these things because that's how it was written. Well, somebody right. at some point or a group of people wrote this and we've just practiced it. We have the permission to, to begin to 
let that ebb and flow and, and be more meaningful in our communities while keeping the integrity and the meaning behind it. Sure. Uh, but finding, finding ways to dig into that deeper and, and like you said earlier, losing just the reading it off the page uh, in finding that deeper, deeper moment. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a either, or you, you can both right. honor the tradition and question it yeah. at the same time. This is very, Absolutely. Well, and I think yeah. that's what we've kind of done with this these last few weeks is we've seen how people practice it or utilize it in their lives or where how it's been meaningful for them. Um, and we have found that interesting. We even had um, uh, when we had Angie on last week, uh, she uh, she missed up uh, on Sunday saying the Lord's Prayer because she was thinking about it too much. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, definitely yeah. found that, uh, you know, just the fact that we take that so seriously of wanting to make sure that we get it right. Uh, I think there's some value in that. But I also think, too, that practice of of inviting people in to have conversation about it is not something that we really do a good, and Chris, you, you nailed this on the head. I don't think we do a good enough job of that in the church. Um, we don't provide that space for people to wrestle with their faith, whether they need to deconstruct or, or, right. you know, revamp or, you know, whatever word you want to use. Um, I, I feel like that it's, this is it and you're going to take it and you're going to like it. And then don't ever, don't ever question the pastor. Just don't. Right. Yeah. And, and we also, I think, now we make some room sometimes. Um, so I'll I'll use the example that Matt will really appreciate. Uh, this is all credit to our one of our theology professors in seminary, Joe Bessler, uh, used to use what he called the theological map. And so uh, Matt is is smiling at this now. So he would write up on the chalkboard or the whiteboard. He would have all these circles, and uh, in, in them would be you know your idea of God, your idea of Jesus maybe your idea of Christ that's separate from your idea of Jesus, you know, your, your whole Christology revealed in that, your idea of the church, your, all, all of those components that make up, you know, our theology, he would have up on the board. And then his point was of all of that uh, was if you changed one of these, the rest of them had to change. So we'll sometimes make room in the church for us to change our idea about who Jesus is, let's say, um, I, I, I will note that there are some ads, I don't know if you're seeing them, I think they're national, in which it is, you know, it's really trying to, you know, Jesus is struggled just like us, or Jesus is, I think it's Jesus just like us, or something like that is the, and they're real simple ads, and I'm like, okay, well, there's an attempt there to change that sort of notion of what, you know, Jesus is, and bring that kind of, let's say, down a little bit, but if you do that, then you have to change some of these other components. Like if Jesus is 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 more identified with us as human beings, then what is the spirit in relationship to that? And what you know, so you we do a good job of of doing one of those things, but don't pay attention to how it impacts the whole. And in part because we don't teach people how to think theologically. And I think that's why folks struggle so much with. Um... Maybe not deconstruction, but reconstruction, right? right? We 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 focus a lot on yeah, tear this down, burn it up, you know, do the things, right? And then we just kind of leave people high and dry to put the pieces back together, if we even encourage them to do that. Right. Um, that was that's one of really my beasts. the important work. I mean, that's the right, yeah, that's the harder work. It's easy yeah. to. Tear that shit was one of my beasts with seminary, right? 
you know, come in, tear down your theology, deconstruct it all that first year, and then uh, go go lead some churches. What? Yeah. <laughs> Let's work on right. putting this back together. Uh, and and I find that in a lot of people of uh, when when they tell me they're they're working working through that stuff and deconstructing, it's like, well, well, now what? Yeah. How are you going to put these pieces back together? Sure, get rid of some stuff. Uh, that's beautiful and and sacred work, uh, but you're going to be left with something. And, uh, let's let's figure out yeah, yeah well i think let's, that's let's the, do the hard work to put it back together and i yeah. think that that's the thing is we're not willing to give that space for it uh because i think some of it has to do with just people feeling like they're gonna say the wrong thing and so then they mm-hmm. don't want to be that vulnerable but then like you know as you think about it, it like let's say if you talk about sin like you know you you re you you tear that down you rebuild it but then like you don't want to do that with all the other stuff because that work was so hard. Sure. Uh, and so, um, you know, I, I always found that interesting in seminary uh, when a professor would, would lead a class in whatever thought or whatever theological theory and people would be like, well, I didn't learn anything. Well, it wasn't about learning something. It was showing you how they got there, how, you know, whatever right. it was, whether it was post-colonial theologies process, or right. Niebuhr, like it, it was this whole process. It wasn't to be like, all right, so here's what Niebuhr said about God. <laughs> it was, you know, like, you know, just that whole process. And I think sometimes people miss out on the process of that stuff they do. because they're looking for the quick answer. I think, I think far too often we're looking for that quick sheet of, of answer of this is what we want you to say, uh, yeah. no matter where they are. I mean, I, I, I have, I've been kind of, you know, perplexed in this world that we're in right now of, you know, people are still looking for that quick answer when they like, when everything like the, these last few years have taught us that sometimes the long game is the better game um, and, and working that out and having to pivot. I mean, let's use that okay. great COVID word of pivot that sometimes we have to recognize that, Hey, we've done something wrong or we're not thinking the right way. Let's, let's pivot and like change everything that we do and who we are. I think I, I would love for the church to be able to provide some more space on, on the, not just a deconstruction, but just the reconstruction and allow people to actually have that communal aspect of theology that is very key to theology. I think far too often we think that theology is just what all three of us think and that's it. But really theology works itself out when we get together and do this. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, isn't that part of the appeal uh, of fundamentalism? Because it gives you an answer. Um, now it may not be a good answer and it may not be you know may not survive any tests that that come along for it but it's at least an answer and when in fact the real thing that churches ought to be teaching their folks is not good answers it's how to ask good questions and and how to how to craft that you know so there's that pivot point right so you continue to ask yourself uh you know, better questions uh, as, as a theology gets tested and fails, which they will, then, then how do you ask a better question so that you can come up with a better theology about something? And I think uh, that that's where it's wishier, you know, that's, that's, yeah. you know, it's not as rock solid comforting, even if the rock solidness is illusionary. <laughs> well, I think that that's where, you know, Jesus, that's what Jesus did. He just asked questions. I mean, very rarely, I mean, there are times where he's like, this is it. But like, for the most part, he was, you know, doing the questions thing. And I think that that's a, one, that's a healthier way to teach. 
Um, but it's also a healthier way for us to learn is to wrestle with those questions and maybe not. Uh, yeah. And from my experience, Matt, when he, when he, when he does give a solid answer, it's almost always about the nature of God. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's almost always to say, but God is love. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to tell you an absolute, I'm going to tell you the absolute is that God is love. And this other stuff that's drifting out here is how do we live that love out in the world, right? And but if you if you have any doubts and you need something to hold on to, blam, that's it. You know, yeah. God is love. End of story. Period on that part. Now, what that means in the world and how we live that out, those are two totally different things. Well, it's like the question that's asked in the Matthew text before the Lord's Prayer is like, you know, Jesus, teach us how to pray. All right, here you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and we've been talking about it ever since. <laughs> yep. yep. Uh, and here we are again. Right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, and I, I <laughs> it always seems like when Jesus gives absolutes or, or gives a straight answer rather than a question, it's always to the disciples and almost with the sigh of frustration of like okay yeah <laughs> let me draw you a picture yes i've yeah. shown you okay. i've told you i've asked you the question yes but yeah. all right <laughs> if it didn't sink in the first time well then, that, it should be a big lesson for us you know that the people who you know according to our stories were literally next to him being taught directly mm-hmm. by him didn't get it so right. 2000 years later when we're trying to read through a book that's been deciphered through several different languages and across 2000 years you know what makes us think that we're going to get a better grasp of that uh right Fair right have some some good spiritual humility is a really important uh uh lesson to learn for sure well, Chris, uh, thank you for your time. We'd love to have you back on uh, any time that, you, you know, sometime if you there's something you want to talk about or something, we'd definitely love to have you back on. And yeah. uh, it's been it's been real fun. I know you've got things to do and I know Zach has things to do and um, I'm kind of off. So <laughs> I'm kind of <laughs> off today. So, uh, A Tuesday uh, and, and, off? What is that? Man. It, well, the, so here in Castle Rock, it's a whole week of fall break. And so oh, I'm yeah. trying to... Okay, uh, gotcha. trying to be present for my kids before I jet back to Oklahoma for a couple of days. So, um, uh, so we, you know, Chris, we thank you. Um, Zach, do you have anything to before we before I bring it to a close? No, I think keep having the conversation, uh, whether it's about the Lord's Prayer or whatever else it is you're you're working through. Uh, feel free to deconstruct those, break those pieces down, and then put them back together. So we want to encourage you to go to our website at beardedtheologians.com and check out all of our great past podcasts. And, um, you know, uh, with this being still Pastor Appreciation Month, you can uh, purchase a Bearded Theologian gear to to support your pastor and say, hey, I love you. Even if they don't have a beard, it makes it even better. Um, uh, You know, and, and, you know, it's Pastor Appreciation Month. And then a couple of months later, it's Christmas. So what a great way of just doing, you know, two for one. Uh, And so for the Bearded Theologians, I'm Matt Franks. I'm Zach Bechtold. Thanks for checking us out. I want you to subscribe and like this video and put that thumbs, push that thumbs up. Thank you for listening to the Bearded Theologians podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share on all social media outlets. You can check out old episodes and more information at beardedtheologians.com. Thanks for checking us out.